Hey everyone, it's your friendly neighborhood Deadly Diva, aka Shocker Khan, aka Guns and Wing Miner, aka Code Lyoko Ono, aka Full Metal Smacker Chick, and welcome to Outlaw Bars, where we talk about everything great and not so great in the world of anime. As always, I have with me. Hey everybody, it's me, Chopin, no aka this evening. Hey everyone, it's Tam. I too do not have an AKA this weekend, but you already know what it is when it comes to me. You know, you guys make my intro scene hella long when y'all do shit like that. Just want to let you know. Listen, there's one person that needs to be extra at all times, and sometimes it's just going to be you. Fine, fine, whatever. Alrighty, so June is Pride Month. Woo! Yes, woohoo is right. So how did this diva right here start it off? By binging on a little show called Yuri on Ice. Um, if you are a fan of the show, which statistically speaking, most people are, <laughs> this show is a mega hit with two gay men front and center. It's um, it's a sports anime at its basis. It um, covers the competitive world of men's figure skating. And with all of like the sexual stereotypes and overtones, you know, within, but while you're watching it, like you're, you, you see this like real, like relationship develop between Victor and Yuri. Like it doesn't seem forced or like contrived. Like it's not for shits and giggles. Like you watch them as they work together and as they learn more about each other, like get closer, like through this competitive season. So that got me to thinking about LGBT representation in anime. And we're talking about characters like Haruka and Michiru from Sailor Moon, who were out and proud long before either of those broads were a blip on the radar. Like this is back in the mid nineties when they caught all types of flack for having (laughs) two super dope ass lesbians front and center. They were OG lesbians. (laughs) And just like we kind of crave, you know, that full and robust representation of people of color, we crave those same things for our LGBT brothers and sisters. So today we're going to focus on the best LGBT representations because there's another, there's enough bullshit out there for us to complain about. So we're not going to talk about the caricatures, the horrible representations. Was it? gay men as pedophiles that's not what we're doing today we're mm-hmm. talking about the best and the brightest the happy feelings that we get watching fully developed lgbt characters in anime and what's interesting is when we were like when i was thinking of um when i was thinking of this topic there's actually quite a bit like there's quite a few lgbtq folks in anime which i think is really really dope and a lot of them aren't from I guess newer anime, like you were saying, there's Sailor Moon. We have some OGs, but there's some, and there's a lot, quite a bit of animes out there that have really good representation, and it's nice to see that. It's nice to not have to dig for something. Yeah, this was fun because I didn't have to like go deep. Like once you know, I realized it was Pride Month. Like I had four or five like off the top of my head already that I literally ride or die for. I'm warning everybody right now. Any name I give you off of my list. Come for them at your own peril. This is like not a joke. These are some of my favorite characters in anime. So um, these two actually came up 
rather quickly because I just rewatched this series. And um, that is Sergina Palki and Ginger uh, from the anime Gangsta. And if you haven't watched Gangsta, you should really watch it. It's a really great short watch. Um, and there are a lot of good themes in there, but I digress. But one of, well, two of the characters in there, Sergina Palki and Ginger, are definitely in um, a lesbian relationship. There's actually a scene with the both of them in bed together. And there are times where there are other um, folks trying to attack Sir Ginger. and I mean, Sir Gina. And Ginger's like, uh, bitch, you thought, no. No, ma'am. No. And it's not that Gina can't defend herself because she is quite capable. She is a big bitch and she's a boss bitch, but she don't even, she don't even worry because she got Ginger to flex and Ginger's like, no, you're not going to touch sir. Um, so that, that's one of my favorite gay relationships that I've seen in anime because it was so out there. It was so over and nobody questioned it. It wasn't weird or anything like that or nobody thought, you know, made any kind of weird comments about it. So I thought that was cool. Okay, I'm going to jump in because mine, like, Tam just gave a relationship, but mine is just a character. Um, I know you guys have seen um, Agame Got Kill. And if you haven't, you're sleeping. Like, we already suggested it to you. It's great. Um, But the character, his name is Bulat. Uh, He's one of the, he's like one of the assassins. And when you're introduced to him, he's like this, like, huge guy, like, super jacked, um, he kind of looks like Gaston, but you don't want to punch him in the face. Um, like very handsome, like super buff. And when Tatsumi meets Bulat, um, there's like this like little flirting that goes on. And Bulat's basically just like, he's like, yeah, I'm like into men. And there's like a half second where Tatsumi is like, like caught off guard, but not in the way, like we said earlier, it's not like a way to denigrate or marginalize Bulat for being gay. But, like, literally, Tatsumi came from some, like, tiny town. Um, So this is his first time, like, in a big city. So it read to me as this is his first time maybe encountering, like, a gay man before. And there was, like, because Bulat is so much older than Tatsumi, um, there was none of this, like, undertone that Bulat is, like, some sort of creepy predator. It literally became, like, an older brother younger brother kind of situation to the point where Tatsumi refers to Bulat as big bro for like the rest of the series. And like, unfortunately we don't get to see Bulat like um, experience a full like relationship. It's not like he like meets somebody else, but it is still like, I remember seeing it and being like, this is how it should be. Like if you have like, you know, a relationship with someone like a friendship who's gay, like they're just another person that, you know, it doesn't have to be this weird sexual energy. There's no kind of discomfort. It's just their friendship was almost um, cemented immediately in that moment. Like Bulat teaches Tatsumi how to fight. Like he puts him in like a, a suit of armor in order to make him stronger. Because Bulat's like four times the size of Tatsumi. Like Tatsumi has not been eating his protein or whatever the fuck. Like he needs to like, he needs to get swole. And it was just like really sweet to see that kind of relationship. That's dope. I have another an, an, another character who her sexuality and her gender expression is more of a, oh yeah, by the way, because like you're so enchanted by her as a character that like once you get that reveal, it's not really a big deal. Um, and I'm talking about Isabella Yamamoto from Paradise Kiss. 
Paradise Kiss was written by um, Ayazawa, who is the same mangaka behind um, Nana. And basically, when you meet Isabella, she's this glamorous young woman who has a thing for hats. And she has like this, like, I think it's a daisy or flower, like in makeup around her eye. Like she's always sharp, always well-dressed. But like she kind of acts like the mother hen to the members of this little group of friends. And as you learn more about her, you find out that she's a trans woman and she's been trans since she was very, very little. Like she was born Daisuke and her, she was best friends with the the main, 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 main lord. I can talk. I swear I can. With the main male character, George. And actually, he was the one who designed um, her first dress when they were children. And she actually came out to her family when she was very, very young, like around 10, maybe even younger. And she's kind of been dealing with, you know, because she came from an upper class family that really wasn't seeing it for her that way. But it happened that her butler kind of took a lot of the flack for her, basically taking taking on the blame for why Isabella turned out that way that way she could grow and be you know a healthy so to speak happy young woman just a oh this is also who I am as well exactly um and since we're on the topic of trans folks I'm gonna jump in with Hannah from Tokyo Godfathers who is a trans woman um if you have been listening to us for a while, you know, Shofei and I talked about this movie a couple months ago. Um, we saw it together and it was so awesome. And I appreciated Hannah because while there was a lot of problematic language in the movie itself, I think it showed a very interesting view on self-acceptance um, of accepting yourself as a trans person. Um, you know, Hannah lives on the street with another man and a teenager. She expresses how she wants to have children, but also this, this, it was like this kind of almost self-hatred about I am, you know, God made me this way. And I don't know if it's some kind of punishment, but this is who I am and I want to have kids. And then when they find the baby, Hannah's like, okay, maybe this is God telling me that I can have, this is my child that I can have. And I have to protect this child with everything I have. And Hannah does some wild shit for this baby. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I would save a stranger baby in the way that Hannah did, but you know, props to her. And I I just thought it was really interesting because it delved into her relationships with um, her boyfriend. And Shelby, did her boyfriend die? You just like, he died like in the shower. Like he just had an accident. Right. And so her boyfriend dies and then they don't, don't even make it seem like a thing that she had a boyfriend. Just that she had a boyfriend, boyfriend died. And because her boyfriend died, her life kind of went to shit because she was just so happy and she did not know what to do with herself after her boyfriend died. And she kind of made herself this outcast. When she goes back to the club that she worked in, um, I want to say like the madam of the club was like, girl, you could come back and work anytime. Like you don't really have to live like this. And it's kind of this self-imposed punishment that Hannah has put on herself. Um, But she was a really interesting, complicated character. And there were parts where there were some things that she said that made you uncomfortable. But I also had to remember that 
this might be someone's reality. You know what I mean? Like this, the difficulties of accepting yourself, like knowing this is who you are, but the difficulties in accepting yourself for being that, um, it's one that I can't relate to. So I think the, the directors and the creators of Tokyo Godfathers did a really good job of kind of illustrating that and depicting that in the movie. Yeah. I fucked with Hannah very heavy. Um, she, like Tam said, she went through a lot of trouble for a baby. Like, first of all, for someone who was not homeless, that's a lot to go through for a stranger's baby. But Hannah was so committed to like taking care of a child that she was willing to go through a lot more extra steps, like just to be like this loving, caring figure. Um, 10 out of 10, do recommend. Like, Hannah was like one bad bitch. And she was so dramatic, just like a mom. Like, think of like a dramatic, like foreign mom. That was Hannah. It's like, sis, you may have never had a kid before, but you know how to like, you know how to act up for a kid. Speaking of characters that have like this really great sense of self-awareness, I know I've, I know I've talked about this character before, but it's, it's rather fitting that I talk about him again. And that is Kamatari from Ruroni Kenshin. Um... As you should know, or maybe you didn't realize, but Kamatari is a gay man who cross-dresses. And he takes a lot of pride in his appearance um, to the point where when characters first meet him, they believe that he is a woman. And I know I've mentioned this before, like there's this great panel in the manga where he kind of um, lets his kimono kind of come open and they make a joke about putting the elephant back in the tent, letting you know that Kamatari is carrying more than a scythe. Well, Zam. Well, Zam. <laughs> no, but like there's this there's this great moment towards the end of the Kyoto arc where Kamatari pretty much like lays like his life out for the viewer to see, where he admits that he's deeply in love with his boss, Shishio Makoto, but he knows that Shishio is never going to love him the way that he loves Yumi, who was a cis hetero woman. And he'll never be as good a fighter as Shishio's basic apprentice, Sojiro. I'm like, so he's kind of stuck in this, like in this weird limbo where he's not good enough to meet any of his beloved's needs. And because of that, he fights even harder even though he knows that he'll never quite reach the place that he needs to reach to become that special person to Shishio. And it's one of those things like when you're watching in the middle of like all these fight scenes and like you hear it, you're like, or you read it and you're like, whoa. Like it takes a minute to actually absorb what it was that he just admitted. And then you're, and then like you take the, you take his fighting skills like even more seriously because you realize how much emotion is behind them. But once again, really self-aware like not in like a self-loathing way, but he just knows he's like, I love this person, but they're not going to love me the way that they love this other person. Did I just make everybody sad? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, quite. Like, a bit. I, I was just sitting here like, damn. But uh, my next character is um, Lee Ron Littner from Gruen Lagen. You know, I stand for Grimlock, and even though it made me very depressed at the end, but Liron is very flamboyant, um, but I didn't feel like he was a character. I just felt like that was his personality, and 
while he is extra and flamboyant and he was giving you a little sass, he was also a technical genius and fixed all their um, mechas and created a lot of new things to help them. And I I really enjoyed his character. He gave some co- like comedic relief because like I said, Gurren Logan, if you've watched it, you know, there's some times the shit got too deep and he was in your feelings for a little bit. Um, but your boy Leron came through with the comedic relief and I appreciated it and I appreciated him. It wasn't sometimes. Most of that show, like, that show was, a like, the, the cartoony way it was animated betrayed a lot of how dark that shit was. Yeah, yeah, girl. But, I mean, and that's, I guess that's par for the course with me. I always get sucked into these animals. I'm like, wow, this is really depressing. I should stop because I'm probably going to cry at some point, but I can't because I'm too invested now. They get you too, like, the first two episodes, you'd be like, oh, this ain't so bad. And then by episode five, somebody dies. You're like, well, damn. Yeah, but I can't. But I but I can't stop watching. Yes, you're damn near weeping. Like you know, it's girl login really. Like I was just, I was mad. I felt like I got hoodwinked. I was like, look at all this brightly colored anime. Like this is cutesy. Like all right, I'm on board. And then, and then, and then, and then by the end, you're just like in tears. And I was just, I was more angry than anything at the end. Um, uh, the characters that I have up next. So when I researched this, I was like, this makes a lot of motherfucking sense. Um, so apparently we've, I think we've all seen Madoka Magica, uh, the murderous, uh, magical girls. Who... Talk, talk about an anime that made me angry. Okay. Madoka Magica <laughs> made, made me so, so, I was so, ooh, that shit made me angry. But like for a different reason though, like that. Like in this case, like the the person at fault was not the magical girls. It was an outside entity. If you haven't seen Madoka Magica, I mean, again, what are you doing? But like they were so young. They were just a bunch of young dummies. Um, So, you know, what happened to them, I think theoretically could probably happen to any 14 year old or 13 year old. But apparently in my research, like the whole cast, they're all lesbians. They're either all lesbians or they're like definitely like bi. And when I read that, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because um, Homura um, Akemi, the one, the time-traveling magical girl, like, when you're watching it, you're like, sis, why are you so invested in, like, Madoka? Like, because she's annoying, okay? Like, Madoka is actually the fucking worst. Right. Like, I wanted to pop her so many t- pop them damn pigtails off her head. Little she bitch. like she hated her. I really could. I really can't stand Madoka. Like, and people would try to hype like, "Have you, bitch?" Yes, I've watched it, and a little bitch has got on my fucking nerves. Don't tell me about that shit again. She was very cute, and like, she had like, and the Madoka does the thing that like we end up that we usually see for male anime heroes, like very cutesy, somehow like incredibly unaware of like the realities of life but like super committed to like helping the people around them, even at their own peril. Like she got, she got all the Naruto things going on, but like, um, but there is no, but she's just as annoying and just as clueless and somehow weirdly powerful. Like it's, it's all of this like weird shit. So when you're watching, you're like, Homera, like sis, why do you give a shit? She's a dumb bitch. Like, why did you go back in time to help her? Oh, well, it turns out that she's definitely fucking in love with Madoka. Um, and coupled with the fact that they're like teenagers, I could understand why you would be willing to go back in time a bajillion times in order to save this person to, you know, you know, to cancel out this inevitable like future that is going to end up like playing out over and over again. Um, 
And once I read that, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because usually in anime, <clears throat> no matter what the context, they always want to include like some sort of heterosexual relationship, even if they're like children. Like they could be 10 and like the girl character is doing, you know, heart eyes to some dumb boy or some shit like that. In in Madoka Magica, they're like no niggas anywhere. Like they're like classmates or like ancillary characters, but there is no kind of romantic relationship that I can remember. And I think I've seen like three of the movies. Like even when they're in class and stuff like that, none of that is a thing. The only one is, I think one of the girls, I think one of the girls who I think is bi had a crush on some guy who was like in the hospital. So she became a witch in order to save him so he would wake up. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And she was also equally annoying. I thought that was stupid. It was incredibly stupid. Um, so she might be like, she could possibly, she might be straight or maybe she's bi, but the rest of those girls were definitely, um, you know, were definitely feeling feelings for one another. Uh, I wish, again, like, I wish we could have, and it, you know, they're young, they're kids. So you won't be able to see like the full on, like, uh, manifestation of that relationship. But it explained a lot, like, why Homero was so pressed, <laughs> like, like freakishly pressed over somebody as annoying as uh, Madoka. Let me try to make it, like, lighter. Okay, so I've talked about Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid before. And the main character, well, one of the two main characters, the Dragon Maid, Toru, is deeply in love with her human master, Kobayashi. Now, here's the thing where kind of makes it interesting, or at least it made it interesting to me, is that Toru is a dragon. Like, she doesn't have any concepts of, like, human sexuality. Like, all she knows is that she likes this person, and this person just so happens to be a woman. Granted, Kobayashi presents as a bit androgynous when you look at her for the first time, but it's established that Kobayashi is a woman, and Toru is a female dragon. So... Kobayashi does her her best maid work like she cooks the best meals and keeps the house super shiny clean because that's how she expresses her love to Kobayashi and you know hopefully you know in a way to kind of reciprocate those so she'll get her feelings reciprocated and towards the end like they kind of they kind of come to that where they form this little family unit and like there's this really like subtextual thing that's that happens throughout the whole show where Toru tries to get Kobayashi to eat her. And what Toru does is she chops off a piece of her tail, sanitizes it, and then tries to feed it to Kobayashi. Is that supposed to be like in the, the punani? <laughs> Listen, I'm like, as like, it's a repeated, like every time Toru cooks dinner, like she attempts to get Kobayashi to eat her, or at least to eat her piece of her tail. And I'm like, that Excuse me? either... I'm a really dirty old lady, or this is like that the sound, slickest, Yeah, like... that's some innuendo for eating the pooms. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she's always. Oh yeah, eating her tail. There you go. See, I'm not crazy. Or innuendo for ass eating, cause haha, <laughs> the tail. No, 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 no. You what, the, the tail. You, the tail you is. You open the can of worms when you mentioned it to you, us. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it, and so the tail is your body, and so I'm just gonna say it's either eating the plumes or eating the body. So you will not be blamed for this again. No, you will be. You will be. Okay, we're gonna talk about all the. You, there should be a whole episode of things Diva should be blamed for. Okay, let's let's no. 
Okay. You no. You open. Listen, we're all filthy in here, so you should have known where this was gonna go. When you talk about, yeah, she's trying to eat her tail. That sounds like eating someone's booty. Okay. Oh god. Okay. We see it. I don't know what. Okay. No. Okay. So back to the cute, the light, and the fluffy because we are not going down that road. We already went down there. We can bring it back though. Nope. Nope. You turn. You turn. You turn. I guess. So, like the. Like, I think one of the best things about the relationship between Toru and Kobayashi was they have a little young dragon who I mentioned before, little Kana, and she has a classmate named Saikawa. So when um, Kana, like, starts hanging out with Saikawa, she makes the, yeah, Saikawa, she makes the, the remark that when she gets bigger, she wants to have the same type of relationship with Saikawa that Toru has with Kobayashi. Basically, like, She's like, yeah, you know, my big sis likes my mom and I want to like you too. I'm like, and it's like, it's so cute and it's so innocent because she's like, they love each other and they're always together and I love you. So we should always be together. I'm like, and it's so cute and like, so like normalizing where, you know, it's not a big deal. And like the parent, like nobody's parents like flipped out and was like, what is going on here? And you can't be around my daughter anymore. It was just like, yeah, they're going to be together forever. Because they love each other. And it's cute. Because that's what a family is. Okay, my last one is kind of questionable because I wasn't really sure how to classify this person. I'm going to just go with that they're asexual. Um, and that's Boss Bitch, Integra Helsing. Um, she presents as very masculine, but she just also is very like, I don't really care about sex because I'm too busy trying to rid the world of these vampires and the Catholic Church. Um, no shade to you if you are Catholic, but the Vatican is wiling on Helsing. That's all I'm saying. Um, oh, they're so prob- problematic. Just problematic. Listen, looking like Klansmen, but that's another, that's a whole nother issue. We're not going to get into it. But I felt like Integra was, is, is very asexual, but then there was that scene with Saris, and you're like, mm, this looks a little spicy. Are you into that, Integra? If you are, that's cool. I just want to know. And also, it's partly like, I just want to know because I'm nosy. I don't really care what you are. <laughs> I'm just a nosy bastard. I just want to know. Because it look, come on, that scene was real. Huh, how you doing? I just like, I just wanted to know, you know, I just, I just, I'm nosy. And so I'd like to know because I'm nosy. But since we didn't get any confirmation on which side of the fence she was on, just gonna go with that she's kind of blase and she's asexual and she don't really care about that kind of stuff i i tweeted it they're in some sort of sexual like bdsm triad where integra is at the top and alucard is underneath and saris is underneath and i feel like even if integra is like presenting this not sexual thing i feel like she'd probably like smash the both of them like after all the vampire situation has been taken care of like right now she's focused but once this problem is done she'll be moving on to like you know living her life as, like, the dom to these two, like, you know. But a non-sexual dom. I don't see her as a sexual, like, her... Yeah, that was going to be my question. Like, could she still be a dom, but it not, like, she not get anything sexual out of it? I think the dom-ish quality of her is just that that's just who she is, and she's the top bitch, and she's a boss bitch. But I don't see her... Yes, I see her. Yes, definitely being Alucard's master and Saris is underneath Alucard, but I don't see a, a kind of sexual kind of thing between 
Integra and Alucard. I just think that that is just the nature of their relationship. And also remember, Alucard has known Integra since she was a child. So they yeah, had, so I don't know if there'd be like a sexual relationship. Right. There's them. a lot of history. I think a lot of it is just a subservient relationship out of respect um, for her and who she is. And he's just known her her whole damn life. Um, but I think if the, you know, when the dust settles, that would definitely be like a non-sexual triad thing. I don't know about Alucard and Sarah's, however, but... I definitely think oh, no, they're between, definitely um, no, no, there's definitely blood sex magic happening. Yeah, in that. yeah, sure. but I mean, Sass, I don't blame you, girl, because mm, Zaddy, I feel dirty, Zaddy. But that's a whole I mean, other issue and topic. We'll we'll talk about that another time. But like a consensual relationship between two adult vampires, I mean, that's there's nothing dirty about that. Alrighty. <laughs> So here are some honorable. Me- oh, before the honorable mentions, I was about to close out without mentioning this. Um, I noticed in my research that there was a bit of, um, I want to say, invisibility when it came to bisexual men, and in media that seems to be like a habit and a problem. Because I was specifically was looking for like well-rounded like non-problematic examples of bisexual men in anime and all the ones that I found were either like using their sexuality like they weaponized it or they were like really sus and I didn't I didn't feel comfortable perhaps putting them on the list of good examples just because it kind of fed into like that stereotype of bisexual men just being greedy or bisexuality being a stepping stone to just coming out and just saying that you're gay. So um, like one of my examples was Shu from Tokyo Ghoul and he was pretty indiscriminate with who um, he, he, he did his things with, but he was, it was also like a means to an end, not so much, you know, fulfillment for him. It was, it was very manipulative yeah and it's the same thing with and i love this character but sebastian from black butler where um pretty much if sleeping with you was going to get him to fulfill his master's wishes then he was going to sleep with you he didn't care which way it went and kind of the same with dio brando from jojo's bizarre adventure it was like if sleeping with you meets helps me get to my goal then that's it but it didn't really it just didn't rub me the right way and i think the one i think the one example well examples of bisexual men that i was able to find that i was kind of cool with was in access powers italia and if you've watched this show basically it kind of tells you the history of the world but all the countries are um anthropomorphized into different men and a couple of women. So you know how countries, you know, they merge, they separate. So like Germany, I think it's like Germany and Prussia or my European history sucks. So please don't well actually me because I don't fucking remember. But you know, you have like Austria and Germany and like they they get together and you know, you have like Germany and like Japan like during World War II and like they're together um, like you have like these odd like father son type relationships 
And because most of the countries are depicted as men, when they get together, it winds up being a gay relationship. But then if the next country that they're supposed to be conquering or taking over happens to be a female, then they're like, hey, you can get it too. So I think that was the closest that I came to with, you know, with representations of bi men that didn't make me want to go like, why are we doing this again? And I'm sure that some of our listeners out there have better, more robust examples of bi men in anime that I have missed. And please, you know, tag us on the timeline and let us know. Um, But we have some honorable mentions, people that we didn't quite talk about. Um, Michaela from Seraph of the End. Farid also from Seraph of the End. Sensui Shinobu from Yu Yu Hakusho. Revy from Black Lagoon. The Major from Ghost in the Shell. Jane Jocelyn from Trinity Blood, um, Jakotsu from Inuyasha, and um, this one's a bit questionable, but considering um, her admiration of Yoruichi, I put Soifong on the list too. So those are a list of our honorable mentions of LGBTQIA+, all of those letters at one time, characters in anime. As we said, if you have any more, make sure you tweet them out at us. We'd love to see them, especially if it's from a series that we haven't seen yet because we're always looking to add new things to the queue because the queue is never ending. That is so true. My queue's like a my queue's like a black hole of anime. So, but Listen, I, for every <laughs> for every show I get rid of, there's another 3 waiting for me. Yeah, and also I would really like to watch more anime movies, so if you have good anime movie recommendations, something that has good action and or is dark, you know, I like it kind of creepy. Send it to your girl. Yeah, because I may be losing my recommendation privileges as well. Oh, you're no, 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 no. So I don't think you <laughs> lose your recommendation privileges because housing is fucking awesome and everyone loves it. However, as I said when we first started housing, I am not responsible for how you all feel. Okay, because I knew it was some shit in this, whatever, and, whatever, and I respect whatever. everybody's delicate sensibilities so it's not that you are on a timeout. maybe you just need a slight hiatus and or you just need to double check with folks before you're like hey we should do this so i'm saying okay fine 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 i'm asking for the next one to be something like like way cuter <clears throat> like i'm talking about like Howl's moving castle yeah. or some shit like we gotta we gotta take it in another yes, direction we we it will be super cute and super sparkly Please. and nothing traumatic whatsoever yeah. i mean i guess but too much kawaii makes me sick so okay well let's have okay. some balance. but if we, but if it's a but but damn it what was it we went through damn helsing we we watched Gantz. we went through flipping flipping nora which had its cute moments but it had its what the fuck moments too right we've so, gone, like, we and then we did berserk and berserk is a little extra too yeah so we can afford to be a little bit cutesy cuz we went down that path like deep down the path so if you have any suggestions for outlaw views that are light bright and sunny you know how to get them to us. You know, tweet them to us using the hashtag Outlaw Views, or you can email them to us or drop them um, in our DMs, all of which are open. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the portion of the show known as Notice Me Senpai. That is where we, the ladies of Outlaw Bars, answer questions from you, our awesome listeners. 
let's see what the bag has for us today. Our friend, Mr. T. Steph is back again with the fire ass questions. Here it goes. Are you ready, ladies? Yeah. Outlaw ladies, a.k.a. queens of my heart, a.k.a. women crush every day. Hey, boo. (laughs) The new season of The Bachelorette is on. I haven't watched it. I have no intention to. But props to black girls not trying to get chose, but instead doing the choosing. This made me think of a new question. If you had to cast The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, who would your bachelor or bachelorette be and who would be the suitors? Or you can make yourself the bachelorette and let the thirstiness be more than Naruto's thirst while trying to find Gata during the Sand Demon arc. Here is my answer. This is still Mr. Tisto talking. Cast Merlin as the bachelorette. She's a strong woman who would make the guys work, but also isn't afraid to flaunt her sexuality. Sinbad would definitely be a suitor since he might think Merlin is a magi and would want her power but he would be booted because he's always stealing her jewelry. Ren from Blue Exorcist would dazzle Merlin with his strong cooking abilities, but he has too many daddy issues to be a good spouse. Initially, Merlin thought Aaron was a decent suitor because, of his, because his tight and form is cut, but upon further reflection, lacking genitals and common sense were, were big deal breakers. Ultimately, it would come down to Mamoru from Sailor Moon and Saitama from One Punch Man. Saitama would drop out at the last minute because he would realize his baby mama Tam is all he needs. I appreciate that. That leads leads Mamoru to transform into Tuxedo Mask, do a Tuxedo La Smoking Bomber attack, and drop to one knee with a ring and a rose in his hand. Merlin, questioning Mamoru's taste and age-inappropriate girlfriends, would forego forego the proposal and instead ask where Haruka is because Sailor Uranus is everybody's type. So, um, Mr. T stuff, I love you, but how the hell are you going to ask us a question and then give us a fire answer for the question? I know that was a really well thought out in depth answer. And my response is not so thought out. And so you already know the thirst is going to be on me. I ain't going to put nobody else in there. I want also the as well, me. when you were like, make someone else the bachelor, I was like, you got the game fucked up, bro. Like, tuh. <laughs> no, I'm the bachelorette. Nice. Hello. Um, I want to go first because mine is real simple and you all should not be actually maybe you'd be surprised by one person only because I'm trifling and I'd love to see these two fight it out. But I only have three black bachelors that I would really want. Of course, Saitama, but Saitama not going to really win though, because he's really concerned about these sales. You know what I'm saying? Like Saitama's going to be like, yeah, girl, mm, but these sales though, it's, it's discount weekend and I need to get this meat. Um, but then I want to see a battle royale between Gilgamesh and Alucard, bitch. Okay. Bitch. That what the would, hell? That would be a real- Are you trying to destroy the world? Maybe. Maybe I just want to sit back and watch the world burn, but tell me that wouldn't be a fire-ass fight because both of them are like basically unbeatable. And then they're fighting over your girl. Hello. Come on now. No, it's so- Tam and I, we spend too much time together, obviously, um, because I was like, I'm about to make myself the fucking bachelorette and we're going to have Sinbad and Gilgamesh and Gara and Kakashi and Shikamaru, right? Peep this. Gil- Gilgamesh got hella money. No, no. I thought about this very clearly. Like Gilgamesh got hella money and he's fine. He's a piece of shit, but he likes to win. So he'd be willing to do some like really sneaky shit, which makes for great reality television, right? 
Then you have Sinbad. Sinbad is also rich, right? And he has a great body. And he's a little bit sneaky, but he's the kind who likes to perform like he's not, right? So he's the one who'll be doing sneaky backdoor deals in order to win. I fucking love it. Now, we have Gara. Gara's a real nigga because he has like a sand demon. He has an entire kingdom. So he got money and shit, but he's really not trying to boost that hard. And also like Gara is real cute. Kakashi Sensei is the finest out of all of them, but I can't really be sure if his weird perviness is like legit or if it's just like a performative thing, but he's fine. And then we have Shikamaru who is truly quite cute, but he acts like he doesn't care about anything. But once he met the kid, he'll start caring about me. You feel me? Insert Cardi B gif here. Um, Like all of them are just like fine as shit. And I'm just like, okay, if I had to choose like anime bays. We would just put all them like in there and I would have thrown Zuko in there, but we already said that like Avatar isn't really anime, but you know, he's a prince and shit. And once he started, once he stopped like being a piece of shit, like that's like, he got really bad qualities and whatnot. So yeah, I would be the bassarette. Fuck that shit. All of you niggas are fighting for me because duh, I'm me. Um, Yeah. I gave us a lot of thought as you can clearly see. I forgot one important person. Excuse Ew. me. Tight pants poppy. Oh, bomb okay. That's yours. From okay. seven oh, deadly yes! sins. That's yours. Okay. <laughs> that woo bound with the tight up pants and the crop jacket, bitch. Come on now. Yes. I will walk because he, he don't he don't know when to stop fighting. So it would just be like a real bloody battle royale with lots of explosions and things coming out of the air and Alucard transforming because Alucard with the facial hair and the and the splooshy hair and the wig, because they got a lot of wind machines and Helsing is very windy and Helsing because the baby's hair is always flowing and it would just be real and I would just sit there and eat bonbons I don't even like bonbons but I would eat bonbons or a platter of plantain yes okay yeah Alucard with the facial hair yeah okay zaddy okay yes 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 okay so um I feel rather woefully unprepared for this so i'm going to start with um with um with levi from attack on titan because um he looks like he's probably dynamite in the bed because he's tiny he's always trying to prove something so i'm betting good money that that's where it would happen um i'm also gonna add in um aoshi from kenshin because again, this is somebody who's like really quiet, but still waters run deep. And you know that there's like a lot of emotion coursing behind all of that. Um, then, okay, that's two two black haired guys. Um, then I'm gonna add in um, Minako, no, not Minako, Minato, there we go, wrong syllable, from Naruto, because he's adorable. And the only way to beat Kakashi is to go with his teacher. Minato was like the old, he, was he a Hokage or not? Yeah, he's Naruto's father. He was the fourth Hokage. Yes. Okay. Understood. Yes. He was, yeah, he was um, Kakashi's team leader before all that bullshit went down. I bet. And then I'm also going to add in Hiko Sejiro. Also from Rurouni Kenshin, my stable of men stays consistent simply because like, He's a tree to climb. Like he's big and like he's bulky and you just want to sit there and just like 
touch all the segmented muscles. It's like, great. Um, the fights that they would have would be amazing. Like Aoshi versus Minato with regards to speed and just like coming in and out of your line of sight. And even though Hiko Sejiro is like, he's a big guy, but he's really fast because he's Kenshin's master. So, you know, he's fast as fuck. And then we already know Levi can take down Titan. So any of these is like light work for him. So after the bloodbath, whoever's left standing, I'm good either way. Our next question, I actually combined these two because they were similar and I figured it'd make for good, good talking. So we combined um, KBM underscore Seymour with um, an email from our good friend Cecilia. So the first, okay, so I'm going to read them both. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with Cecilia. It says, one of my favorite anime is a genre fusion, sports anime with Mecca. What anime combined two or more different genres in a way that was unexpected or that you didn't think should work, but did? And before you answer that, we're going to add in KBM's question is, what's a crossover you'd want to see of three anime or manga series? For KBM, he gave the combination of Parasite, Tokyo Ghoul, and Attack on Titan, which leads me to believe that you just don't like life. You want to be stressed, my guy. What the hell? That sounds like stress. You want to be the last man standing or last woman standing because I'm not sure of your gender, so I don't want to misgender you. You just you just want everything to go to shit. So um, we're doing a bit of a genre fusion. So we're going to answer Cecilia's question by answering KBM's question. It is a it's a hellscape turducken. It's just one piece of shit thing and another and another. Um, yeah, I when I saw this, I was like, no, I wouldn't put this together. I like I would probably do some shit like Seraph of the End times Magi times like I don't know fucking. Uh, maybe like Sword Art Online or something like that. Like I, I'm pretty consistent in the anime that I like. I like magical anime, not necessarily magical girl, but I like fantasy kind of anime. It w- I would be very curious to see how the Seraph of the End cast would behave trapped inside of a role playing game with the addition of like Aladdin and them, like thrown in the mix or some shit. I would be down for that. Um, but all the things that you mentioned sounds like something where I would just take a, like, I would, I would just ask Zenu to beam me up because I don't think I could handle that. (laughs) (laughs) I think for my fusion, um, anime shows, uh, I'd like Mob Psycho 100 and, uh, One Punch Man. Um, yes, they're by the same characters, uh, same, uh, creator, but I think that would be kind of interesting to see those two worlds collide also i think i would like to see i don't want to make shit with attack on titan that's too damn stressful attack on titan is a genre on its own stress that's what genre yeah. attack on titan is but i'd also like to see um kill a kill mixed with a gamika kill i think that would be cool i think parasite and tokyo ghoul mixed with psychopaths would also be stressful, but I think that would also be kind of fire. When you have the parasites, you have the ghouls with the combination of the damn guns. That could be spicy. I'm thinking something along the lines of you like grab something like, um, oh, here we go. You grab something like Yu-Gi-Oh! And you combine it with, um, ah, yes, Vampire Princess Miyu. Um, You asked for three. I don't know if I can give you three at a time. 
so the premise of Vampire Princess Mew is that um, you have um, Mew who is a vampire and her job is mainly to um, exterminate demons that come over to the human world. And, you know, the premise of Yu-Gi-Oh! is where, you know, you have this card game and you use like kind of real life monsters, depending on whether you're in the shadow realm or the regular realm to fight. So you figure you have um, Seto from Yu-Gi-Oh! and Larva, you know, coming together to help me you as she hunts for Shima or demons who have hidden themselves in the dual monsters cards. And because he can't seem because Kaiba is not really keen on like outside forces manipulating the game that he created for some bullshit. Or um, if you want to um, go more tournament-y, you can combine like Naruto and Yu Yu Hakusho because they both have these really great tournaments. Naruto has the tuning exams and Yu Yu Hakusho has the dark tournament. That's all I'm going to give you because I have two more examples. But if you head over to fanbros.com, you can read the rest of them there. How's that for a plug? You gave me an idea. So Yu-Gi-Oh! and Cardcaptor Sakura because they're both Cardcaptor games. Um, like Yu-Gi-Oh! is like fighting with demons and like Sakura is like capturing them. Like, I don't know the logistics of how that would work, but then you get like the magical girl genre. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've sent Sakura. She's probably annoying as shit now, but I remember like 10 years ago, I didn't want to kill her so much. Well, you know also what would be interesting? Fate, the Fate Night <gasps> series mixed with Mad- with Madoka Magica. Nigga. That would be some bullshit. Nigga. That would be some bullshit. Mm-mm. And talk about Mm-mm. being angry and pissed. Woo! You would want to kill Mm-mm. everybody okay, in that but bitch. but I would watch that though. Like, I know we're talking about like how we don't want to be stressed, but I would sign up for that kind of stress because like the Fate... Like the Fate Stay Night series, perfect series, amazing. But like add those like ma- like add those magical bitches. Yo. What if they all had like their own like people that like fought with them or they could be summoned the way Saber was like summoning shit? Oh my god. Ooh, yes. Mind blown. Yo. Mm-mm. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. We came up with some good shit, y'all. Yeah. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. You are welcome. Um, so our last question of the show comes from, um, Jeffrey M via email. It says the ladies of outlaw bars are going to open an after hours night spot. What is the name of your place? What is the theme and signature drink? Who is on staff? I listen to the show every time could only get better if it came out every week. Jeffrey, we love you, but slow that down. Um, Jeffrey, I have a life. Jeffrey, I have a life. Sorry. I love y'all, but also I got a life and things to do. So no. Yeah. So an after hours night spot. This is something we can do. We can do. Um, I, I say we I say we work together as a team on this one. Um, I don't think the world could take three liquor spots by us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, who's on staff? Um, Merlin, head of the house. Jose, Aoshi is going to be our bartender only because he does not drink. Who? Aoshi from um, Ruining Kenshin. Oh, okay, okay. He has no tolerance for alcohol. So Merlin? he'll pour all the drinks. He'll be quite ta- talented at it, but he doesn't drink. So I like that behind the bar. I'm still going with Merlin to be head of the house. Yeah, like our business of manager lady. 
Yes. But also giving yeah. you visuals because she's sexy, so the titties would be out true, all the time. True, true, true. All the time. Um, I want Saber as our security person because she's pretty and also... Head of security or just yes. or just no, a bouncer? Just like, I mean, she could do it all. Um, like... But but see, I, I wanna I wanna add in like bouncers though. We need like bouncer bouncers. Like separate bouncers? Okay, fine. We can make Bula. Yeah, a so bouncer. you have like a head of security who tells the bouncers what to do. Cause Saber is, you know, the king of Camelot, so she's quite capable of telling people what the hell to do. Okay. So she's head of security. Who would you choose as a bouncer then? Who would I choose as a bouncer? Um Ooh, um I'm gonna go with Brandon Heat from Gungrave. Um, sorry, not Brandon Heat because he's still alive. Beyond the Grave from Gungrave. Um, damn near indestructible. Um, focused on a task. And as long as um, Maria doesn't come around, I believe that's the girl's name, he's not going anywhere. But he will fuck some shit up. Hmm. Okay. So we have someone behind the bar. We have uh, security. We have like a head of house person. Gilgamesh would be head of VIP. True, because he's not letting any of you basic <laughs> bitches in. Bad bitches only. Luxurious hair only. No split ends in this bitch. Um, oh my gosh. I can see him right he, now, like lifting up somebody. Be like, mm-mm. Your lace mm-mm. front is askew, bitch. Okay? Your wig is helter-skelter. You can't come up in here. Um, what was it? Who else? And I think we need like a crabs table or like a roulette wheel or something. And I'm putting Faye Valentine from Cowboy Bebop on that. Because when we meet her in Cowboy Bebop, she's working in a casino. Y'all, who are the, who's the guy from 91 Days? Because we need somebody who will actually like supply us with their alcohol. Who's the moonshiner also slash murderer? Um, oh, yes. I forget his name, but that guy. Cause, or his friend. Actually, his friend. Because his friend is the one that made the fire moonshine. Yes, him. Um, and I like him because like, he's, he's literally not with the shits. Like, he's like, I'm just here to like provide the alcohol. Y'all can do all the illegal, whatever the fuck else y'all are trying to do. But like, I'm just trying to make this little money and live a fairly quiet life. <laughs> okay, so what are we going to call this place? I don't know. The wet spot? The boom boom room. Sure. Let the record reflect that it wasn't me this time. Whatever, it's because you spoke last. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so it's called the wet spot. We have our staff. Um, what's our signature drink? Um, Let's see. Um, it needs to be something strong but sneaky, like something that sneaks up on you and then like knocks your ass out. Rum punch or what's some other like some shit or like a Moscow mule or what's the one? It's like a Moscow mule, but it's made with whiskey, a Kentucky mule. Um, I personally like uh, jalapeno margaritas. I don't know if you guys drink tequila um yeah it needs it needs to be something in the punch family simply because you want it to be really smooth and you don't want people to notice how much alcohol they're actually consuming so it has to be something with a high alcohol content but really flavorful so you don't notice that you're basically drinking gasoline oh rum punch, rum punch. Is definitely it yeah rum punch it's gonna be a rum punch. okay there's yeah like a sorrel based rum punch because like then it's like it feels like exotic but nigga you about to get fucked up so fucked up. I make those all the time. Was it so there you have it, Jeffrey? We are running the wet spot. Oh god. 
<laughs> you love with it. a signature <laughs> with a signature rum punch and we've already given you our cast a stop so thank you so much for your question and as always if you have a question for us you can hit us up on twitter using the hashtag notice me senpai or you can email your question to us um, and the email address is outlawbars at bambros.com and now ladies and gentlemen it is time for Alrighty, so with all that talk of um, after-hours night spots, I figure I ought to help you guys earn some money so you can buy your drinks at our spot. So let's start off with this one. Um, Sunrise is one of the best-known names in anime. Um, in anime, and if you want to work for them, it just got a little bit easier. So they're look they're reopening what's called the Sunrise Drawing Cram School. And out of this school, you got um, the likes of Tomoyuki Fuji, who was the chief animation director for four episodes of Love Live, the school um, idol project, and Tiger and Bunny animator Norihiro Itagaki. So if you are between the ages of 18 to 25 with at least a high school education or expecting to graduate from high school by March 18th, um, you can apply. Foreign students are accepted, but you once again need to be fluent in Japanese above the conversational level. Ten students will be chosen from the applicants based on their interviews and the quality of their submitted documents and the screening process. The tuition will be waived and each student will receive a conditional stipend of about $900 per month. The chief lecturer is going to be um, the director um, from Hunter x Hunter, Hiro- um, Hiroshi Kojina, and other lecturers will come at a later date. And the best part is once you graduate from this program, you'll be able to get a job at any studio within Sunrise. The applications have to be received by July 25th, and you'll hear if you got in by um the end of August. So go to Sunrise to get all the information, the basic rundown of the curriculum and the application information. And if animation isn't your jam and you'd prefer manga, then there is the Magic Manga Contest, um, which is open to um the opportunity is open to you thanks to the second annual Magic International Manga Contest. And the creator of Bleach can help your dreams of becoming a manga come true. Kubo will be on the panel joining the um, the contest finalist. Um, Joining him will also be the chief editor of Shonen Jump and the executive in charge of Shonen Jump Plus. Um, Each finalist will have to defend their entry in front of the panel. But in exchange for all of this stress, the winner will have their work published on Shonen Jump Plus and they'll have the opportunity to spend a month in Japan um, where they will meet again with Kubo as well as... um, a Shueisha publisher and potentially extend their manga contract for a year. Um, If you want a chance at winning this prize, you need to have ready a standalone manga between 31 and 45 pages to be submitted for judging by October 15th, but you must register by October 1st. And the five finalists will stand before the jury at Magic, the Monaco Anime Gaming International Conference um, next February. For a full list of rules and important dates, once again, visit the um, Monaco Anime Gaming International Conference website. Um, so hopefully, you know, you can make your dreams of being either an animator or a mangaka come true. So get those coins, spend them at our spot. Um, so we have some movie news, too. Um, if you are a fan of the classic anime series Fist of the North Star, 
um, in Japan. They will be producing a stage play based on it um, that will be performed in Tokyo in September. Um, so hopefully, usually what ends up happening sometimes is that it ends up on the web somehow, some way. We don't ask questions. We just appreciate it. So look out for that around September, October. Um, and if you are a fan of Tokyo Ghoul, the, um, it was revealed at the kickoff event for the upcoming live action movie that Tokyo Ghoul will premiere at Anime Expo in LA on July 3rd, which is a week ahead of the Japanese premiere. Ooh, that's to be good. Yes. And Funimation has already announced plans to bring Tokyo Ghoul, the live action movie to North America with a theatrical release. So, you know, as soon as we hear something, we'll let you guys know because we're all about supporting supporting our favorite properties, you know, in a legal way. That way they produce more of those properties. Yes. And I hope that means they'll be bringing it to Baltimore because y'all know I stand for Tokyo Ghoul, especially Tokyo Ghoul VA. So I will be first in line to see that. Yeah. So usually, because I know like where I live is like no place nearly metropolitan and we usually get um, these screenings like relatively close to me. So I'm sure you'll get it in Baltimore. Um, and lastly, just a bit of fun since we were talking about, um, LGBT representation and then the bachelorette, um, there was a survey cause we all know Japan loves to do these surveys. Um, so the concept of June brides has become popular in Japan as it is out here. So to celebrate in the beginning of June, the news site Anime Anime posted hosted a poll asking fans which anime guy would make the best husband. There's another poll talking about wives, but right now they're talking about husbands. So I'm just going to give you the rundown. You can let me know whether or not you agree with this. So number 10 was to- Toshizo Hichikata from Hakuoki. Number nine was Hiroshi Kido from Barakamon. Some of these I haven't watched yet. Number eight was Victor from Yuri on Ice, which I agree with, but I don't know why he's at number eight. Number seven was Shota Kazehaya from From Me to You. Number six was Kazuya Miyuki from Ace of the Diamond. Number five was Sejiro Akashi from um, Kotoko no Basket. Number four was Levi Ackerman from Attack on Titan. Three was Gintoki Sakata from Gintama. Number two was My Bay Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist. And number one was Makoto Tachibana from Free Iwatobi Swim Club. Okay, so, so these guys are all really pretty. Like Yeah, go for it. No, like Roy and Levi can understand. I don't know how these are supposed to be husbands. Husbands, husband material. Like that's the thing I'm like, we're not, are we talking about purely like, like looks wise? Because like all of them are attractive anime men so that's not it i'm like but some of these folks don't have like the other qualities that a husband should have like makoto tachibana he's a high school student whose fucking husband is he gonna be yeah like granted he has great abs but he's a high school student so i'm guessing this is purely based on looks and the same thing with seijiro akashi from um kodoko no basket like he's a high school kid yeah, I, I don't know what the criteria is. Like, I feel like Levi is fine and, like, he is, like, no nonsense. But he also seems like he's, like, too busy to be worried about bitches. Like, it's like, he just seems like he would be annoyed by, like, having, like, a, a spouse. But you know what? It's like, I think it's because of, like, the warlike time that they live in. Like, I think if they got, like, a break and like they actually had like a real like peaceful time where they weren't trying to you know out trying to hunt titans that he'd probably be like a pretty good like house husband 
Maybe. Because Roy Mustang has like the same issue, except like Roy Mustang appears to be like a philanderer, but that's just a cover so that he can get information that he needs. Okay, well, I'm still going to say that this list is suspect, but also I don't know who, like, again, I don't know what the criteria was for it. Yeah. So if we ever get around to um, seeing the wife list, then we'll know for sure kind of an idea of what the criteria was. Because if they're all like big booby girls with tiny waist and no ass, then we know it's just looks. Oh, you mean all of anime with girls? Like, what the? What do you mean? So that is all that we have today for anime news. So now we get down to the bestest segment of our show, The Couples Corner, where our recommendation couple show pay lets us know what we should be watching. Hey, friends. Uh, so... You know the drill. I watch a lot of fucking anime, so I try to bring you like good shit or interesting shit that I'm watching. And currently I am watching Lord Marksman and Vanadis. It is on Hulu and the rules are standard for all recommendations. If you fuck with it, I am so happy. And if you don't, I don't care. So in this case, this is another hero's journey kind of anime. Because I, I enjoy like that kind of, that arc or that trope. But this threw me for a loop. It starts in like some sort of like weird kind of like feudal kind of system. Like this like, uh, you know, they're knights and all that other kind of shit. So you have the main character, his name is Tigre. He is a um, archer. Which is fascinating because everyone else around him who fights, they fight with swords. So they kind of make it seem like he's not as good as everyone around him because he fights with a bow and arrow as opposed to a sword. And it opens on the battlefield. He is fighting, you know, like another warring nation. And he gets captured like a little bitch. And the people who capture him basically tell him, look, we know that you're the lord over a really small fiefdom. It's called Alsace, his home. Like, if they want you back, then they have to be willing to pay 50 times the, like, let's say 50 times the GDP of your town. Well, it's a small town. They don't fucking have the money. So he essentially becomes the property of the war maiden who he tried to assassinate on the field. So he's a prisoner. But because he's such a good marksman, they don't, like, kill him. They don't do anything to him. They essentially, um, he almost becomes an ally, even though he's definitely a prisoner. And there is a scene where you find out just how good of a archer he is. He's trying to get the feel of the bow. So he like makes like three shots and he fucks it all up. So these people who are watching him are like clowning him. They're like, you know, you're a piece of shit. That's why you got fucking captured. You know, just like being like real dicks to him. And then someone tries to assassinate the um, like the the mistress or like the, the head lady. Her name is uh, Eleanor, like, you know, Mistress Eleanor or something. This man is like, he's talking, the guy is like running away, the person who committed the crime. And he's like, do you want this person dead or alive? And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, don't worry about it. I got it. He's easily a couple hundred feet away. He's down on the floor, like, you know, on the the floor level. And this person is above him several hundred feet and they're running on a bridge. This nigga finally gets the hang of his bow and he lets it fly and he catches this perpetrator in the foot and basically nails him to the ground. 
So you think that he's just like, you know, a bum or whatever, but he's actually incredibly talented. And I like, and I like the balance that everyone else is using swords, everyone is using a lance, and he is just incredibly skilled with uh, a bow and arrow. And essentially the series is the, the play, how it like unfurls that now he is working with someone who was his enemy at some point, who now is almost like his ally. Like how successful is that going to be? So it's called Lord Marksman and Vanitas. It's on Hulu. Uh, it's subtitled only. And it's only like one season. It's like based on a light novel. But it's like, it's cute. It does have some fan service, but not enough to make it unbearable. And um, I think you guys will enjoy it. And you know the drill if you don't. Alrighty. Well, I believe we have come to the end of this episode. Um, if you guys have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, you know, you can hit us up on Twitter at OutlawBarsPod. Um, or you can email us using the address outlawbars at fanbros.com. If you want to have a bit of a chit chat with me about any old thing, you can find me on Twitter at Deadly Diva. And ladies, let the lovely people know where they can find you. Hey, y'all. You can find me on Twitter at Simply Chopay. Hey, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at Bruja Bantan. All right. Thanks for joining us. You guys have a wonderful time. Bye. Ciao.